0: Welcome to episode 425 of the Yellow Oil Pods. I'm your host Stefan Wutzko and today we will talk about a 1-0 win against Hertha Berlin, the latest transfer goss at our Thursday's deadline day and we will preview Friday's match against TSG Hoffenheim. For all that and more, joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, it's good to see you. Yes, it's good to see you too, Stefan. Um, <laughs> and if you're
1: not over on YouTube, why not? Subscribe. Yeah. Um, 425, damn. I didn't feel old before, I feel old now.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you can feel old for a little longer while I present the sponsor of this episode. Wir sind komplett schuldenfrei, wir zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. And this episode is sponsored by Jordan Hunt at Hunt underscore 1909 on Twitter, who had a difficult week, but I'm sure will feel better soon. Jordan also wants to shout out Charlie Ushan for his premiere in a BVB shirt and to Anthony Modest for scoring his first goal for Dortmund. And uh, that transitions us very nicely, Matthias, uh, to what unfolded on the football field at the Olympiastadion last Saturday, (laughs) because Dortmund did come away with all three points. However, it was a bit more nervy than we thought. So Matthias, uh, there is a plethora of things to say about this game, and I'll just let you choose where you want to start.
1: Well, I I had to chuckle a little bit. I, I didn't really go onto Twitter very often during games, but I did see Lars tweet, 1-0 for Köln. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. Uh, no, the match, it was an interesting match. It was very professional overall. Hata had their moments. They've had their moments in the previous matches as well. Um, but most of their moments came from mid to longer range, Kübe had to make some very important saves uh, against some very well-placed shots. I um, want to say Marco Richter had one very good one from long ways away, but those are low percentage opportunities. Uh, the takeaway is Bellingham is not a striker, <laughs> um, to say the least. Uh, he had, I, it felt like he had most Dortmund chances. Obviously, he didn't have most of them, but he had some extremely good ones. He did lead in shots. And he had some very, very good ones. Uh, Overall, it was entertaining. Far too entertaining at times uh, because I think Dortmund could have put this one to bed much, much sooner. Um, I quickly got very annoyed by the commentary team constantly referring to the Bremen match dot well, like, oh, <laughs> Dortmund's up but oh you know i feel
0: like there's a goal in this for Hatta. i feel like there's a goal in this like oh shut up i mean i did you, you just said it Kobel did have to make the fingers yes. the uh, fingertip safe on um on Marco Richter and yes. you know, first of all it's great to see Marco Richter back after yes. he also had testicular tumor and uh, mm-hmm. i think had one testicle removed so um it's it's really great to see him make the comeback but uh, even better to see him not score because yes. uh, I at first thought he just hit the bar, but then the replay showed, okay, Kobel just full stretch, just somehow got the fingers to yeah. it. And man, I cannot tell you how much I love this goalkeeper. It's, yeah. it's amazing how many points he's saving us. I mean, obviously, you're right. Hertha did not have a lot of high quality chances, but, you know, two deflected shots that easily could have fallen into the back. Yes. The net. I think that the first one from... a. John Joe Kenny which also mm-hmm. was deflected on I think by Julian Brandt also. Uh, no, I don't also, remember. Also full stretch save that Kobel just yep. only just sort of parried over the, over the crossbar and man it is so fantastic to have this m- amazing goalkeeper. You know the, Who's the, the only going to get better. Yeah, Who's he's only, only going to get better. <laughs> he's I I would say he already has gotten better this season. Yeah, it's, but it's hard it, to I mean, say for sure but it's just my gut feeling because he looks just superb. And considering that he has to make these saves um, without, uh, <laughs> you know, having a barrage of shots to save, like, say, Jan Sommer, um, makes it all the better.
1: Yeah, and then there was also the the more clear shot from Jovetic, no deflections, no bodies in the way. I would say that was, of those three saves, the least impressive, because Kulba made himself big. He saw it coming. There was nobody in the way. But again... But it was still squ- it shot was still, with venom. Yes, yes. And Jovetic, uh, when he's healthy, he's one of those players where it's like, gosh, if he just wouldn't have been... Hit with so many injuries throughout his career, he would have been absolutely, absolutely amazing. Consistently, he's a very good player, and I'm still baffled that Hatta have him. Um, but you know, Kulbin made those chan- uh, made those saves which were needed. But those are kind of those fluky shots, those long range shots that that a team like Hatta will take, that Dortmund will also take. Dortmund has scored on them, um, but. For me, the key takeaway is those clear-cut, right in front of goal chances weren't really there for Hatta, um, and that for me was a very positive takeaway. I also like the fact that when there were set pieces, Anthony Modest was back there defending it because, why? He's very good in the air because, well, you know, he scored uh, with a header. And that is one of his strengths. You know, in, in previous seasons, Holland was put back there just because he's a big body, not because he's very good in the air. That's still probably his weakest area. Um, but Anthony Modeste, that is one of his absolute strengths. He's big, he's powerful, he's strong, he's good in the air. So that's another nice thing to see. And eventually, when Sebastian Alias is back, he will be doing the exact same thing. Uh, so that's very good. I will have to say one thing that makes me nervous, Stefan, and that is on... <laughs> the, the one thing that makes me very nervous is that on corners... When Dortmund is attacking, they only have one defender to cover, and that's Guerrero. And there was one chance where Hertha broke essentially three on one. And I was like, oh, gosh. But then it was Um, So, But if that was a team that is more competent, especially on the break, I'm thinking even of a team like Mainz. Uh, that thrives on counter attacking, that's a clear cut opportunity. And that was, I th- that made me nervous. I didn't realize it until that break that Guerrero was really the only cover. You had another player kind of in between him, but it's so easy for a team, if you don't execute the corner correctly, Julian Brandt, uh, that <laughs> you just get a three on one, four on one quick break counter and that'll lead to a very good goal-scoring opportunity. It didn't because Heta are incompetent, but that makes me nervous. I don't want... And that happened... There was another situation where a corner got cleared, and again, it was just Guerreiro, but he was able to get there, and there were no Heta players. That needs to change, because that will 100%, I will put money on it, lead to goals against Dortmund this season if they don't address that. Because if I'm a halfway-intelligent coach... I see that and I try to figure out in my corner defensive routines when they don't come off, how to quickly transition because Dortmund will be very susceptible there. Whereas someone like Hertha, or I'm thinking even Stuttgart and Köln uh, this weekend when I watched it, uh, they had three or four players defending uh, uh, being more cover. Let's put it not defending, but cover at least two. I'm still of the thought that you need at least two players. I, most likely your two fullbacks. That's the traditional thing to do, to have as cover players. And Dalton only having Guerrero, who is, let's be honest, not exactly Dalton's best defender, uh, to be cover there, and nor is he the fastest. That makes me a little nervous.
0: Well, the good news, I would say, is that he at least did okay to recover with this sliding tackle, whatever that yes. was. For yes. For Guerrero's standards, that was actually really good. And I yes. think overall, defensively, this performance by Guerrero was better than uh, his average, correct. let's say it this way. However, you are absolutely correct. Um <laughs> First of all, the pass by Guerrero that he tried to, you know, I think slot through to Julian Brandt. hmm you know that was already printed in the newspaper of the day before, yes. as they say in Germany. <laughs> you know uh, that was very easy to intercept, and he should do much better. Uh, also recognizing the situation, sometimes you just need to punt it into the behind the goal of the other team, so you prevent a counterattack. If uh, you have the situation, obviously I understand that these are players that want to play football and that want to attack again and especially of the momentum of just having hit the post because that is sort of what preceded it because Charlie Oshan, uh managed to uh, sort of hit the post and then uh, try to calmly pass back and uh, recirculate possession. And uh, the ball, of course, did find Guerrero and he did not find another teammate. And uh, yeah, you are absolutely right. Um, the Hertha counterattack was very sloppy, I must say, especially considering the pace they had up front and the sort of players they have up front. um, Maybe that's down to it being early in the season because even though counter-attacking on paper is easy, in reality is actually really hard and you have to have a really blind understanding with your teammates because you have to make quick decisions and get the timing right. But that being said, let's circle back to your rant a couple of minutes ago almost and uh, let me add to that that I also absolutely hate the set-piece delivery of Borussia Dortmund this season so far. Because I think the best set-pieces that I've seen all season actually were in a preseason from a player called Prince Aning. <laughs> and that is not good. <laughs> because Julian Brandt and whoever else has been taking set-pieces so far, um, not good. I'm I'm not a fan. Uh, not in-swingers, out-swingers. Uh, you had one um swinger go behind uh, the touchline which, you know, is instantly bad. But also, um, there's just very little threat to it. You know, it, it's not sharp enough, it's not uh, powerful enough, and uh, if you aim for the first post, there's hardly ever anyone to flick it on, but uh, it's just easily cleared by the opposing defenders. So, if I have a gripe, and this is something that uh, I observed through all throughout all three or four games even, uh, this season is that Dortmund set pieces stink. And I would like them to be better. <laughs> Full stop. I no, I I completely
1: agree. Um, I don't know why they persist with Julian Brandt, uh, making those. He's not a great crosser either. And essentially, corners is a set cross. Um, I think it would be better to have a better crosser taking those. I don't know. I mean, Wolf or Meun- I mean Munier you want to say talk about a strength and a player his crosses have always been dangerous or Guerrero I mean Guerrero is also a good set piece taker normally I would then rather see uh, Brandt kind of on the edge of I almost the box. would have said Ashan just because did you see that yeah, cross but, really good yeah, however you don't want to
0: have him at the corner flag
1: no no you need him centrally to kind of do that kind of cover role um, I would then, you know, since Guerreiro was also not pacey, you know, why not have him do the quarters and then have your right back also in the cover team and another winger um, in that situation? But it's it's interesting that you mentioned Zali Ochan because I just kind of want to say that I already love him and I hope he stays forever. <laughs> I mean, no, it was just one match against a shit team. But, but I, I understand that but. reaction, yes. But, <laughs> but. he combines my favorite attributes of Emre Can without all the crap <laughs> <laughs> um and and as to that a passing range not he's, he's not Dahoot in in terms of creativity and passing um but i i really like him and i think he is exactly the kind of player dortmund need. I would I'm curious to see what Tazić does when he has a fully fit Dahut Bellingham Ochan. um because in a 4-2-3-1 one of those players is not playing. And I don't know which one I would go they don't deserve to play.
0: Well, here's a good news and that reminds me of Constantine uh, Agna um, being on the show previously and he said that uh, if you maybe do not play with an out-and-out striker up front, uh, say you play with um, Mokoko instead of Modest just just to theorize here but um, then you need a hold-up ish number 10 and that would mean that you could push up Jude Bellingham into that 10 slot and give Marco Reus a well-earned rest yeah. and then have uh Oershan and Dahoud in midfield, but uh, yeah, the combinations in midfield and lineups are endless, but uh, I can only concur that after one game, and we would never overreact on the yellow oil part, that would be very unlike us. However, I think everybody knew that when Dortmund signed Charlie Oershan for 5 million from 1.0 FC Köln. Um, that he was going to be a massive impact for Dortmund and it's very disappointing that it took so long for him to actually get into the starting 11 due to his injury and uh, I think everyone's theory is had he come on for Dahoud instead of Emre Can um, it would have been not a loss against Vela Bremen. So, what do we like for Ershan and what he did on the field? I think first of all I love the calmness in possession. Because very similar to Dahoud's job, he also drops between the center backs very often. And, uh, you know, it's obviously nice from Hertha to not put any pressure on anybody in build-up. <laughs> that did help. You know, yep, remember when uh, Matsumilz was tying his shoes for yes. like 30 seconds and Kobe <laughs> just stepped on the ball and like, if I were the opponent, I would try to capitalize on that maybe and uh, force something out. And they were like, oh, da 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 yeah, we can wait. It's fine. We're hatsa, we don't have to do anything. You know, we only, we have one point in the table. That's that's all we need really. So, um yeah, uh <laughs> but but nevertheless, the 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 calmness on the ball I really love because no matter how good you are when it comes to tackling for Borussia Dortmund, keeping possession is almost as vital as to re- turning it back over. So, <laughs> I'm I'm just happy that he is very calm with the ball but also his body language because it was his first game and you see him point left right he's directing without shouting really he is not that type of guy however he uh he blended right in and that is to me perfect and of course the interceptions the tackles and and all the other stuff yeah he did run out of steam a little toward the end i think he admitted as much and uh, he also had some back issues as tesic said however um it is just good to see that uh, yet another signing, uh, first time playing for Dortmund, looks like uh, the guy that Dortmund really wanted to get. And um, I think Luka Gier uh, said it, that he, is, he was actually surprised by how good he was on the ball, plus uh, seeing everything um, that he wanted to see off the ball. And, um, you know, having a number six with a number six on the shirt, I think for Dortmund will really uh, matter a lot and you know you already talked about Jude Bellingham having the most chances and I do not know if it's correlated or not but my hunch is that it is and uh, Jude Bellingham was leading the game in shots. I think he had five chances but I also do think this is because Charlie Ushan is behind him and uh, that gives Jude sort of the freedom that he needs to go forward uh, without uh, a second thought and hence be at the end of those chances and just do more of his attacking stuff, which I personally um, like. And I think this is something that's even truer than when playing with the Who together because Ershan is just more someone who plays, I think Tessie just calls it the unsexy stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. but just someone who helps the team. And uh, in that regard... (laughs) I think it only makes sense that after the game uh, Dortmund posted on social media, uh, <laughs> just Drew Bellingham sort of showering Charlie Oshan with kisses. To me,
1: so obviously I am an unabashed, unashamed, and unapologetic fan of Thomas Delaney.
0: Oh, I thought he was going to go as the Tottenham direction. No. Or something. no,
1: no, no, no. Delaney, I always loved it. I know he got hate in the beginning, but I said, no, he's exactly what Dortmund need. And Utshan is a more technically gifted version of Delaney. Um, Otshan, you could see it. He would do the Delaney stuff, the cleanup work, get stuck in uh, shoulder to shoulder charges, uh, recover possession, all that stuff. But the big difference is Delaney's job was then lay it off to a more creative player. Uh, You know, there was always the the joke, well, you know, Delaney plays passes sideways and backwards. He's not a progressive passer. That was also not his job. Um, Dahut is not a defensive-minded player. That's why, as you said, Bellingham has to play more cover there. Ötchan kind of can play those progressive passes, which is one thing I loved in the statistics of the match. How many progressive carries and, and passes Dortmund had without being erratic about it um i i like Emre john from the uh kind of how do i say this from the grittiness standpoint because that is just always something i feel like dortmund lack and his hustle you can never you can never fault Emre john for hustling he doesn't necessarily always Um, pull it off correctly
0: defending a half field cross against weder bremen
1: be that as it may, he's not Guerrero or half of the rest of the team where they lose possession and then they just kind of watch, uh, which has happened too many times. This has already happened this season. It happened against Breyden. There were one or two situations, even against Hatta where it was like, okay, you may want to, you know, run back a little bit. But Oshan, as long as he can be healthy, um, given where the contracts are, I don't foresee Ibrahim playing for Borussia Dortmund next season. Um I because Salih Ochan, he's is already now. He's already ahead of John in the picking order. Uh if he wasn't if Tezic didn't see what he wanted to see, John would have started. But he didn't. Um so I think that's a very good sign for Dortmund also financially overall. Um so, yeah, I mean, Zali Ochan, to me, I'm not going to say is, you know, if you look at player of the match, he'd be up there in the discussion. I think if, be- if Bellingham would have scored, he'd probably be it. Um, Kobe, I mean, there, it's just overall, it was a very good team performance. I was very happy by what I saw. I was very relieved when the match was over.
0: Because you never know. You never, you never know.
1: know. <laughs> and that 89th minute comes around. Don't want to have this history of complete implosion and losing matches from a winning position in the 89th minute. Blah, 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 blah.
0: Well, um, <laughs> I'm I'm just very glad that this is the sort of discussion we're having after the first game of Charlie Oshan because it could have gone entirely different. Of course. You know, we could have been sitting here and saying, oh, God, um, are we really sure he's going to be the guy he looked uh, like? You know, being a fish out of water basically yep. and and sort of just hanging in the air and we have to hope that over the next weeks and months that he would find his way into the team maybe having your debut against the Serdar Berlin team uh, was also a bit easier and the struggles will come uh, as soon as Dortmund face harder opposition and I would say Freiburg uh, uh, Fre- Friday, sorry Freiburg also a harder opposition but Friday <laughs> against Hoffenheim most certainly is um but nevertheless um let's talk also about you know the other Cologne connection first of all um I really do like that um Adentesci right now is most of the time um picking his styling eleven based on the performances of the previous week and uh, changes are being made accordingly for example that Julian Brandt did start over Bino Gittens even though Bino Gittens you know I like to see him start I like to see him uh try out everything he needs to try out but he also won only one out of seven dribbles um against Bremen and it did not look like he was ready to start so he was scrapped and Julian Brandt was plugged in but also um I thought that uh, Marius Wolf um deserved another start even though uh, the last 10 minutes against Werder Bremen did not look good but for that test, uh, had a solution by bringing on Munir for that time when uh, Wolf ran out of steam um, however um, of course when I talk about Cologne Connection um, I'm talking about the one nothing, and uh, you know the uh, throw in and uh, the subsequent sub-si- sub-si- subsequent subsequent, <laughs> subsequent. Jesus 1-2 uh, between Wolf and ashannon uh, and of course the cross that led to Modeste put it where only Modeste can put it and um, I think it is it is good to see that Dortmund uh, find him more. The service to Modeste was much better. And um, we can also just talk about the touches that Modeste had. G- granted, against Freiburg he had 23 touches, against Bremen he had 13, and against Hertha it was 18. However, the, the biggest difference was he had 11 touches in the attacking third. It was 6 in the attacking third against Freiburg, and it was one touch in the attacking third against Bremen. So, um, that really tells you that Dortmund not only just found him, but also found him in the spots they needed to find him. So he had a couple of really good opportunities to score before, um, he did score. But nevertheless, um, I think this is a very positive development that he scores, and uh, you know, gets this proverbial monkey off his back, and more importantly. Um, the, the way he ran to Eden Tessic to celebrate the goal to me also just reflects uh, that Tessic is a very good man manager. Absolutely. No, it was
1: great. I mean, that's always the big thing, you know, for uh, a striker is that first goal. And that brings in so much confidence because at the end of the day, that's their job. That's what they get paid for. You know, goalkeepers get paid to stop goals. Strikers get paid to Score goals. Everybody in between gets paid to do everything else. Uh, And it's a very one dimensional job in that sense. Obviously, he has to do a lot of things, but if you're not scoring goals, you're not a striker. Uh, Then you play in the midfield next to Bellingham. Um, (laughs) But I liked his involvement. Yeah, he had one really big opportunity um, where he put it just wide, where even Dalton's Twitter account went, Tony. You know, like, oh, my God, how did you miss that? Uh, but thankfully, he scored so that that miss isn't the thing hanging over him. Uh, had he not scored, that miss would have been another piece of baggage. And strikers being strikers, they just tense up. I mean, we've seen that in the past with other goal scoring players. I mean, I think was it uh Sancho's last season where he had that mm-hmm. long dry spell of no assists, no goals. And then all of a sudden, it's like the dam broke, and he couldn't stop scoring or and or assisting. And so my hope, obviously, now is that Wades does this. I did see some people, or I saw, I actually got a, a, a DM on Twitter say "Why is
0: Wades starting ahead of Mukoko?" Um, and it's. I mean, after the Bream game, it wasn't hundred percent warranted. Correct. You could make an argument that maybe try Mukoko instead. Yes. However, given who you were playing against, given
1: also who was in the defense for Hatta, and that Modest is a proven a proven commodity as a goal scorer in the Bundesliga, I think giving him another start was the right decision and it paid off. I, I think had he not scored, Tezic probably would have sat down and thought a little harder about it. Uh, ahead of the next match. And um, yeah, which I don't understand why I don't want to have another Friday match, but, you know, whatever. Other teams Gives send... Gives them
0: more time to prep for the Champions League. Yeah,
1: it seems like other teams have more time on late Saturdays or Sundays all the time. Anyway. Um, but it, it was the right decision and I was very happy to see it and just his his joy at doing it. I mean, aside from relief... I think he's also very grateful to be in Dortmund, to have these opportunities, to be able to play in the Champions League at this stage in his career and his age. And like you said, I mean, that, that picture with Tezic says a lot. And, but we all knew that Tezic works well as a man-manager. Yeah, I nevertheless, mean, no it's
0: always good to point out. I, is, I like to point out Especially with a the veteran positives. player
1: who's not yeah. significantly much younger than him.
0: Yeah, but overall, I thought that, you know, that the Bastian Kill, for example, unpromptedly at the news conference, you know, defended Modest saying, okay, uh, everyone in the the comments basically should pipe down a little because uh, it's a bit too early to label him as a flop. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously uh, that is correct. But uh, if you saw him against Werder Bremen... There, there was a lot of room to for improvement. Yeah. Let's be, let's be real. But uh, you know, he should be obviously given that time. But at the same time, Dortmund just do not. It just not feels like Dortmund has any time for anything because everyone is just expecting of them to basically rival Bayern in the Bundesliga uh, in order to give some sense of excitement to this godforsaken league. However, um, there are still a couple of other points that we have to point out. Um, one uh, real quick is that I thought that uh, Marco Reus had a Fantastic game yes. minus his finishing and maybe decision-making in the in the final third. But the runs he made and especially the defensive contributions once again really highlight what an important player he is for Dortmund. And in that sense, um, I just wanted to say it real quick. But um, another player I wanted to talk about real quick that uh, provides a couple of headaches right now is Karim Adelimi because uh, of the misses he had. First of all, he needs to work on his balance. Um, but it also feels like whenever he's at the end of a a, a shot basically on the right side of the box where uh, Dortmund usually finds him um, he does not have a good placement, he usually has it straight at the keeper, be it at Kadecki or this time at Christensen, who by the way had an excellent match and so did uh, Mark Oliver Kempf of course, but uh, yeah, I expect a little bit more from Adagimi now obviously um, we do not know how much his toe bothered him because he did receive treatment and uh, it did not look too good after the game, too. He was like w- walking around in a in a sock compression sock, I think it was something like that. So, um, I hope that he is not uh dealing with this throughout the entire season and uh, yeah, gets the time that he needs. But overall, I thought he was not too involved, and I hope this improves because um, there were a lot of opportunities um, where he could have been utilized but just wasn't. But maybe at the same time. Uh, That is also some blame to Julian Brandt, because one of the most effective ways for Dortmund to penetrate the half-space of Hertha was uh, having Guerrero laid over to Julian Brandt in the half-space, relatively unmarked, and uh, the decisions that then Julian Brandt took or didn't take were, to me, quite frustrating. I think Adam Dorowski had a couple of uh, stats out that highlight uh, good things about Julian Brandt, but overall... I just think playoff his quality still needs to do much better. And I can understand that he remains a source of frustration for any Dortmund fan.
1: It's just inconsistent. I mean, that's the biggest problem. It's he'll have absolute total moments of brilliance where you're like, he's one of the best players, and then play a five meter dud pass (laughs) to the opposition and where it's just like, how? I mean, that was so telegraphed. How are you not paying attention? It's not like this person was behind anybody's cover shadow and he just slipped out and you didn't notice him. He was there. He's right there. And that's the kind of stuff that frustrates me. If he's trying stuff in the opposition third, Uh, in the attacking third and it doesn't quite come off but he's trying some stuff I have I don't have a problem with that because you only need it to work once and bam you're through on goal but if he does this stuff closer to midfield or in own defense that's a no especially
0: when he when he takes the speed out of the game yeah
1: oh that there were so many times where they were pushing forward and then he just you know puts his foot on the ball and cuts it back behind himself and you're like why why did you do that? Every and now you have three players in an offside position, and everything is done uh, because they were rushing forward beyond you, and you could see at times Marco Reus's frustration because he would make that run, and all all it would need so did Adeyemi. was a relatively, for Julian Brandt standards, simple pass, and it didn't happen. And and that is, it's like that one cutback too many. Or you you mentioned Bino Gittens, he he dribbles himself into an alley too many times, where there would have been the situation of playing a pass. But Julian Brandt is a significantly more veteran player, and should know to just just play that ball forward. If it doesn't work, if the if Kempf who like Kempf and the keeper kept Hatta in this game, and and to a degree are finishing but or don't want's finishing not ours mine is even worse um but they're just play that pass if it gets if a defender cuts it off so be it but play it don't cut back and slow it down and wait for everybody to catch up with you it just kills momentum completely
0: yeah absolutely however uh, i think we have to move on uh, yes. final thoughts on this game i think is just um it was a much more encouraging performance once again Yes. I cannot end this episode without saying how much of a god Nico Schlotterbeck already is. Yes. Uh it's just fantastic to see. And uh every time he uh indicates that he's in pain, I cringe a lot. <laughs> yeah. Or wins. I don't know. Whatever it is, um, I'm not uh, feeling good about him being injured because I feel like he already is uh the backbone of our defense. That being said, Matsum is also in very good form right now. So um it makes sense that uh, Niklas Zule is not starting yet also, especially after Sebastian Kiel said that he needs to be in a fitter shape because I, apparently after his injury, which does makes sense, he is just not. But uh, in the meantime, Matthias, uh, I promised some transfer goss discussion. Mm-hmm. And today The Athletic, as you can see on our YouTube channel, because I did a breaking news B4B update, <laughs> uh, is writing that uh, Manuel Akanji is very close to joining Manchester City. I think Alexander Burney today, um, the big reporter from Switzerland, who usually is also very informed when it comes to inside information about Swiss internationals, wrote that he's on his way to Manchester already. So um, I think the reported fee right now is 17.5 million euros. Given that it's Manchester City and they have a lot of money, obviously you would love to recoup a little bit more, more like in the 20 million-ish range, but it's also desperation time. And uh, Manuel Kanji. I don't know if he really wanted to join Inter uh, Leicester City, I don't know if he wanted to do that, because he wanted to do a step up when it comes to, uh, you know, having a new club and play Champions League, of course. So <laughs> Perman called it falling up. But uh, nevertheless, I think this is really good for Dortmund because they need the money and de facto need to offload Akanji, even though I'm entirely sure that we could use him at one point. But uh, Matthias, what, what are your thoughts about this potential move which seems to be close to done?
1: Well, I think, yeah, I mean, in the 20s would have been more in keeping with as good of a player as Akanji is. But at the same time, I, I feel like Dalton owe him in the sense of, okay, fine. You you can go. We we can deal with 17.5 and, and offload the wages as well. Uh Manchester City, I think, is an interesting choice because uh, you know, I mean, gosh, just the depth of that team is <laughs> stupid. Because he's not gonna be a starter. I mean, let's be honest, he's not gonna be Pep Guardiola's first choice central defender. And to know that going in there, um, you know, not going to Leicester City, I understand that. Yeah, he would have been first choice, but against a team for for a team that's honestly going to be struggling in the bottom half of the Premier League. Why? Inter um, will be personally, I would have enjoyed that, of course. Um, But at the same time, Manchester City is going to be easier. Uh then Inter. Inter are going to be in a struggle in every competition, not in the sense that they're bad, but just in the sense of Serie A is highly competitive. Um where and and you know, in the Champions League they're gonna be in the group with
0: Right. I mean also if you look at it, you have almost a guarantee to win the Premier League this season.
1: Yes, you're going to win titles one way or another, and, whichever and- ones they are.
0: With Haaland, I want to say that Manchester City now, after all, m- might be destined to win the Henkel Pot. Yeah, even though I mean, it's still Pep Guardiola and they've bottled it so many times, and you are wondering how and why. But um, yeah, obviously he will um, join a group stage rival for Dortmund. But uh, I almost neglect that because if if they play our country, okay, whatever. Um, I don't feel like so it be matters it. that much. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to see him again. It'll be nice to see Holland again. Yeah, we um, have Sergio
0: Gomez, Haaland, Gunwan, and then Akanji uh, all making the West Bayern come comeback, which is funny to me.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, I mean, good luck to him. I'm happy for him. I don't particularly care for Manchester City, but that doesn't really matter. Um, I, I think it's it's good all around for, for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. So, uh, other rumors, obviously, are that... Uh, <laughs> uh, Thomas Munier might join Barcelona but uh, I think Sport1 already shot this down so I don't know how much time we need to spend I don't see fans, that but this is probably not going to happen um, I'm also not sure if I want to see Seginio Dest instead of Thomas Munier, especially so late in the window because Dortmund will have so many games on such no- short notice coming up and um, if you bring in a new player you most certainly will not know the data uh, when it comes to fitness and uh you know sta- stamina and, and whatnot. So um I don't know. I'm a I'm a bit careful, especially because it's such a vital position. Now given Marius Wolf right now seems to have it covered, which is positive, but uh, you never know how long he can stay healthy and uh, Thomas Meunier, even though he's no one's favorite player, I th- I still think is a favorite uh, is a favorite is a is a decent option to have as a red pack and I think uh, this is probably a position that Dortmund need to address with a bit more seriousness in the next window because Agreed. obviously you need to have a upgrade over Munir but uh, Sergio Desk just isn't it so that trade deal proposition to me just doesn't make sense so I guess with that we can move on to TSG Hoffenheim unless you have any other uh nope. transfer stuff to discuss and um yeah uh I don't know what to say really about Hoffenheim. Uh, they are currently above Dortmund in the table. They are fourth. They have uh, three wins and one loss, also nine points. And uh, yeah, they have uh, scored eight goals, conceded five, um, and have a goal difference of three. And yeah, of course, their manager is Andre Breitenreiter. <laughs> I don't know what to make out of this. I think you think he's kind of decent. Um, I'm... Eh.
1: I I wouldn't say that. I would say of the Schalke managers of the last ten years, he wasn't the worst.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably true.
1: Um, uh, You know, he got FC Zurich to win the Swiss title. Surprisingly, Um, I didn't think they were going to do it. I don't think anybody really did. Um, He's his style of football, I think, suits Hoffenheim to a degree Uh, more than his. It's just counter-attack, press. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. you know, it's just, he is, um, I don't even know. I mean, he's like the milk toast of <laughs> Bundesliga managers. Like, if you think of your prototypical mid-table Bundesliga manager, Andre Breitenreiter is it. He did great things with uh, Parabon when they came up. Uh, and went down right away. And then, of course, he got the job at Schalke, which, uh, you know, um, that was really the beginning of the end at Schalke. It's not his fault. Absolutely not. Um, But he was kind of caught up in that and kind of had to rehabilitate himself. And he definitely did that in Zürich. I think... I I understand why he came to the Bundesliga. Obviously, significantly bigger league than the Swiss League. More money, all that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, I mean, Hoffenheim are playing decently right now. Uh, they are all, It almost doesn't matter who the manager is at Hoffenheim. It seems uh, since they came to the Bundesliga, they've kind of been a pain for Dortmund. So, yeah, I I, I honestly don't quite know what to make of it uh, or to make of Hoffenheim at this stage with Breitenreiter. They will be a significantly more difficult opponent than Hertha. There's oh, yeah, no no doubt about it. Uh, this will be a tough match. Uh, Dortmund cannot squander opportunities. Hoffenheim are as much as I hate to say it, they're a good side uh, that can pose difficulties for anybody that they face. So it's it's not going to be easy, to say the least.
0: Yeah, what I really dread this game, to be honest, because Hoffenheim have a pension of uh, scoring against Dortmund for fun, really, and um, you know, it's funny that their highest goal scorer is Christoph Baumgartner, of all people right now, Um, but that being said, um, he has only scored two goals, and uh, every other uh, goal scorer, I think they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. other gold scorers and they've all scored one gold each, which really shows you um, how lethal their attack is uh, in, in terms of their <laughs> attacking diversity, if you will. Um, similar to Dortmund's really, because Dortmund have ten different gold scorers from ten different goals, which is also a fantastic set, really, if you think about it. But uh, yeah, going forward, um, you obviously want to have your main striker score a couple more. But uh, yeah, I I don't know what to what to make out of this game because it's a Friday night game, and I feel like last time, um, at home it was really Erling Haaland who saved Dortmund's butts very late because Dortmund, as so often, had the control of the game, and then around the 70th minute let go, <laughs> and had Hoffenheim come back, and um, yeah, uh, I don't I don't really know what to make of this because this has sort of a loss written all over it somehow to me because Hoffenheim are just really good at at combining through the midfield at at good pace. They have a lot of uh, good uh, Verbindungsspieler as we would say in German. A lot of uh, players that that make the link up play go very fast paced and uh, I thought they were very unlucky to lose their first game against um, Gladbach. I think it was because they had a sending off. Um, Otherwise, they uh, looked very decent and threatening in that game. I saw them, of course, Completely demolished by Leverkusen. And uh, they also looked very decent and just fun, to be honest. Uh, that back heel goal was uh, also outrageous. So I don't know what to make of this, Matthias, because I'm, for whatever reason, I'm scared of this game because I've been scarred by Hoffenheim so many times that uh, I don't even know if, if I can approach it with any rationality here. So maybe. Um, just talk me through the Dortmund side of things. What do Dortmund and Inter have to do for uh, this to work out?
1: Not have Marco Roy sent off, because uh, that happened once. Um, sure. it's floodlights against Hoffenheim, just, yeah, flashbacks, and none of them good. Um, you know, I think the key things that Dortmund have to do is um, utilize your chances. Um that that's that's the big thing. I mean, don't have had plenty of chances to score this season and have squandered too many of them. Um Zali Uchan, start him, please. And thank you. <laughs> uh the 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 attacking link up play needs to improve. Uh the communication needs to improve, the automatisms definitely need to improve, also in an attacking sense. Uh, Julian Brandt cannot play those idiot passes uh, to the opposition because Hoffenheim will absolutely take advantage of them. They're not Hatta. Defensively, I don't really have a lot to say uh, because defensively Dortmund have been pretty good. Um, I think you just keep doing what you're doing. I feel more confident with Salih Ochan. Uh, kind of giving midfield cover ahead of them than I do with really anybody else. That includes and that includes Bellingham, because he knows his role a little bit more and uh, gives them that cover. I think that'll be very, very important. I wouldn't even begrudge Dortmund if they would switch up their formation and play a three-man central midfield to disrupt that uh, combination play from Hoffenheim that you had mentioned. Um, That, I think, could prove successful, depending on who you would put there in central. I mean, you could put Emre Can in there and just basically have two box-to-box destroyer-type players in there with Bellingham and him and Achan being kind of that cover. But if they stick with a 4-2-3-1, which would probably be the case... I would expect the same starting lineup you saw against Heta. Um, I don't foresee Tezic making any changes unless there are injury needs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really improving the final third. That's really what needs to happen at this point. I think that's what Dortmund's biggest weakness have been, is just that final third link up and that final pass or the final shot.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I'm actually not that against the 4-3-3 system just because, and I don't know, maybe maybe then you take out a, a, an attacker that you really need. But if I look at their midfield with uh, Baumgartner, Geiger and Prümmel, they easily outnumber Dortmund uh, that way. And um, what's also interesting, obviously, they, they play with a 3-5-2 and, um, you know, you have Skov and Angelinu as your wingbacks, which makes you very attacking. Um, you also have a very good build-up player in Vogt, still one of the best center-backs when it comes to build-up play. In the Bundesliga, Agpoguma is um, a fast player that likes to dribble forward as well. And uh, Oshan Kavak we still n- know from Schalke, so hopefully he will be good for a mistake here and there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I still think their main man is Kramaric, even though Jorginho Rüther, I think, has also managed to really hurt Dortmund. Uh, in the past, but uh, yeah, remember what wasn't it Kramaric who scored all four goals in the four nil loss, uh, where um, yeah Dortmund did play in a three four three. I just uh, opened up the game. Oh man, Dortmund did start with Balotelli and Piszczek and Hummels in the back three. No, no wonder that didn't work well. You had Brandt and Witzel in the central midfield, and then Guerrero More as the mix, and then Haaland, Reyna, and Azar up front. So um, yeah, Kramaric Yikes. did score four goals. Yikes! That, um, but yeah, good, <laughs> how did good. that
1: not work? I'm shocked.
0: Yeah, but but nevertheless, um, it's it's going to be a very difficult game, and uh, Dortmund have to uh make sure that the narrative of them being super inconsistent doesn't continue here. So um, if... I,
1: sorry, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, walking through the lineup that you said, not the Dortmund's lineup in the 3-4-3, because <laughs> um, but with Angelino specifically he likes his crosses he likes going forward wing play could be the key for Dortmund here in getting behind Hoffenheim's attacking wing backs and then having a, an onrushing Bellingham in the central position i think that's really the key to an attack for Dortmund, especially with Modeste, who will tie up two defenders just because he's big, he's powerful, and, and that can open things up for them.
0: Yeah, I think this needs to be the Adeyemi game, if he's fit. I don't know exactly what's going on with his toe, but just on paper, it makes a world of sense, as you just said, that he thrives because of all the space he gets. And if Dortmund managed to, you know, get a bit more passing out of Brand, for example... And uh really feed Adigimi into that space. Maybe even uh Marious Wolf can just send him long line. I don't in- entirely uh know how how it will pan out, but my guess is that Adigimi will get a lot of space on the right side because this has sort of been Hoffenheim's main weakness is defending their own wings and uh just thinking about how how this game might pan out. it, it could be just that. Yeah, I mean think back to
1: when Kostic was still at Frankfurt, that was Frankfurt's most dangerous attacking side and their biggest weakness defensively because yeah. he pushed Dortmund forward did so far.
0: Exploited a lot.
1: Yes, yes. And so just do the same thing. And the one thing carrying from the Hatta game that I thought was interesting Dortmund whipped in a ton of crosses, way more than they have so far this season. And actually, same amount of
0: crosses as they did against Freiburg. Okay. well 14 even though Tessic said it was double the amount of uh, all games com- combined but let's say a different picture however I would say this there was a, a much more bigger emphasis on crosses and b I would say more crosses with real intent than Correct. threatened
1: yes yeah. yeah
0: so I think Dortmund are on the right track there
1: if um, Brandt slows up Dortmund's play too often I would hope and and you see those gaps on those wings behind the wing backs, then definitely send in Bino Gittens or Mukoko on the wing, just because they're very fast. <laughs> you yeah, know, for no I, other I, for no other reason but just the pace.
0: If if there's one thing that I think Dortmund has in this game is that obviously Hoffenheim could bring on Jakob Brun Larsen for the coach uh, uh, for the curse of the X. <laughs> um but otherwise, you know, they have Rudy and uh yeah, De Boer came on, Samaseku came on, all okayish players, I would say, but uh Dortmund's bench right now is much better. And yes. if you have a Bino Gittens if you have a Mokoko for example, I don't Hazard know or, or Hazar, even even if he's not anyone's favorite right now, I would say that uh Hazar right now is just really, really good uh still and better than anyone that Hoffenheim have. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I I think this game will be decided very late and I hope it's uh, in favor of Dortmund and uh, rather uh, than Hoffenheim. So my scoreline prediction is going to be a 3-2 Dortmund win. Uh, I predict chaos and a lot of pain to watch this game, but in the end, I really hope and pray that Dortmund come out victorious because I haven't even mentioned how much I dislike Hoffenheim as a whole
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Um... You know, I'm going to go Dortmund win 3-1 to
0: one on this one. All right, all right. We can all live with that. So, Matthias, I think it's time to knock it on the head here, uh, as yes. always. Thank you for joining me and uh, helping produce this wonderful Yellow Wall pod. Uh, we shall be back uh, with another episode, actually on Thursday or Friday, already to preview the game against Copenhagen, because I have someone uh, who is going to help our channel better light on Copenhagen, uh, then you can do, Matthias. Even oh, though for you sure. You are uh, apparently a keen watcher of oh, Danish I'll, League. Always, always. So, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, in all honesty, I'm already looking forward to the Champions League Um, and uh, we'll have an episode out, uh, I think, Friday. M- maybe I'll I'll publish later. Who knows? But uh, keep your eyes open on our pod feed. And in the meantime, of course, do subscribe to the B4B update. You can follow Matthias on Twitter at Matthias Huck. You can follow me at Stefan Butzko, and you can follow all of us at Yellow Wall Pod. Our website is theyellowwall.net. And if you want to like Jordan Hunt sponsor an episode, go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall. But for now, this is everything we have for you <laughs> for today. Well, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to have another before we update out. Um, but podcast wise, that is it. So uh, as always, thank you for listening or watching and goodbye until next time.